On this episode of the Fear Being Average podcast, episode 23, we have Paul Federici, Nogi Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and 2019 Nogi brown belt silver medalist at the Worlds. Tune in. It's going to be a great one. <laughs> you can't even see the speakers. It's great. Where is this? Where, where is, is it? Where is it? All right. This is the Fear Being <laughs> Average podcast episode 23 now. 23. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, right man. We brought, uh, brought the Michael Jordan of jiu-jitsu. Then I said, oh, yeah. That's, 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 that's normally how I refer to myself. The, but That's what you told me to say for yeah. yourself, right? Michael Jordan of jiu-jitsu. That, that's actually what I did write that on a piece of paper for you. So I'm glad you... That's humble, though. That's very Yeah, I'm super humble. Yeah. No, but we got we got BJJ Black Belt year, the 2019 World Nogi Silver Medalist. Yeah. You know, that's why we brought you in. It was in the kids' division. So just, I I don't know if you could put an asterisk next to that. Always an asterisk. Those kids get all my guys. Let me tell you. They are not doing jiu-jitsu anymore. <laughs> you know what? That, that makes it okay. My dad always laughs because he's a big Seinfeld fan, and there's like an episode where Kramer... Yeah, beats the crap out of all like, the kids. He's like, did you dominate the dojo? I'm like, yes, dad. And every dominate time I the dad, dojo. the same stupid joke over and over. I'm like, yes, dad, I dominated the dojo. And Seinfeld references are half my... Uh... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the greatest show. They have to, man. Me and my dad and my brothers, when we have, like, Christmas dinner, the Seinfeld references are just disturbing. The Festivus? Do you hit the Festivus? We hit the Festivus, of course. We have the pizzas. Yeah, we have the tree up there. And we we don't use tinsel. Too distracting. Too distracting. And we have feats of strength. And we air our grievances. You're all jacked. Nah, man, I don't want to have feats of strength with my one brother. Okay. As a monster. Is he really, eh? Yeah, he's... There's a genetic thing going on here. He, I got like the, um, I'm 5'8", I'm okay. right? And the other, my other brother's one six one, other one's six. Oh, but then like they're, but like my one brother, like the, the really strong one, he's like 260 right now. Oh, God. He's a big hoss, right? He's a big yeah. boy, right? And uh, the other one's big as well, but not like into the gym scene. Right. But uh, yeah, the one brother. They're just not as handsome though. That's the thing. You know, we they're have a good gene. We have a good rank of gene. <laughs> <laughs> just they're just i didn't want to i didn't want to be mean just trolls now that we're live on the podcast no no they're no, they're, they're good guys the wrinkles we got we got pretty good jeans all, good, all around man good. yeah i come from a long line of italian barbers as my dad says so <laughs> you probably the most average unathletic guy you've ever are you, are you full-fledged um italian um I, yeah as far as i i know like my dad was born there and came to hamilton when he was like eight and okay. my mom was born Canada, but her parents are Italian, so okay, so it counts. Yeah, I mean we're not like super traditional though. Like we, I didn't grow up. I grew up with what's, my dad. What's traditional Italian? I don't know. Like I'm just thinking like loud, we did, loud, <laughs> like the the meals and stuff. Like okay. I, I grew up with my dad mostly because my parents split when I was young. Yeah. And my dad was just like you know we'd eat Subway for dinner and we'd you know. And, uh, Italian meatball. Yeah, and we That's never the spoke the language in the house, even though my dad was an Italian professor at Brock University for forty years. Wow! So neither of my sister. He, did, he didn't want to teach you. Didn't have any. Uh, I, we always interest. like we always give him shit for that, but he kind of says that like when we were kids, it was like, you know, it wasn't as cool to be like an immigrant son or daughter, and mm-hmm. it wasn't as like advantageous to speak multiple languages as it is now. And and I don't think my mom spoke it in the house, so it was weird. But I I definitely. Uh, 
it definitely frustrates me because <laughs> it's so ridiculous that my father taught the language but we can't speak it. So that is funny, man. Yeah, it's bizarre. He probably got bored. He probably got exhausted. At I'm work. sure. So, you know, I'm teaching kids all day. Speak I'm sure. Italian. Yeah, exactly. This. And he knew that he English. gave birth to the Michael Jordan of jiu-jitsu. Yes, so he was just true. he was just you waiting don't, you don't for need that. Italian when you, <laughs> when you have that. Man. Yeah. Oh my God! And you can choke someone out, man. Yeah, you don't exactly. Need to speak two languages. Exactly. Right? What's the point? One language. Yeah. Is I'm gonna choke you out. Two languages or more is just totally beta. <laughs> it's, it's just no. I'm kidding. That's such a crazy advantage now to have that. But yeah, yeah. I feel like it'd be, but at the same time, like I don't. Yeah, it would be nice to have, but I don't really care. Yeah, it depends on what you want to do, right? Like, That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, if it goes down to a field where you're competing with other people and bilingual sure. is a advantage, yeah, it seems yep. like that would have been a smart move to. So it never happened, but whatever. Hey, man, you can speak English pretty well. I love my dad. He's he's the best too. Like he's he's the greatest. So I don't I can't hold it against him. Well, what's he like as an immigrant? <laughs> parent it's crazy like my dad like i i mean i'm i get i like i i don't really talk about him too much i guess but i should because my dad is like i admire the hell out of my dad like he came here with nothing like mm-hmm. he came the family of like i don't know seven or eight in hamilton with no money no education um he was the only kid in his family i think to get past high school so he was the oldest and he worked at Stelco and he put himself through university at the University of Toronto, went to do his wow. undergrad, uh, master's and PhD there. It's and weird like, that he was the oldest. So that means yeah. he was the first one. You think that like his brothers and, he, and sisters would have kind of like followed suit. No, I mean, I don't, I think I don't, I, I don't know that side of the family super well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love them. I just, it just, we kind of didn't grow up close to them. Cause I think there was, my father always felt a bit of a disconnect cause they were more into like the trades technical yeah. stuff. And he just, my dad was just always been kind of more of an academic, loved to read. He's kind of a, a ideas guy. And so they ended up, I think, going to different high schools, as far as I could tell. So my dad went to, um, like, a Catholic school, and then they went going to, like, public school. So there was a kind of a separation there, mm-hmm. I think, from a young age. But, you know, he worked his ass off, and he's given me everything. Like, I made a post about him kind of briefly. And, I mean, that guy has literally sacrificed everything so that my life could be easier, you know? So I've, I just, I couldn't be more grateful to have uh, the father that I do, so. That's a big thing, you know, like the the upbringing of someone that can really give them an advantage in life, right? Not necessarily a financial advantage, but just Oh, I take his money all the time, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't work No, no, I I, I didn't mean anything about his character, that's bullshit. I mean, the money is where, that's where, that's where it's at. No, no. (laughs) His character, I mean, I, I remember in high school, in an English class, they were like, oh, t- write about somebody you want to be like when you grow up. And it was like, I said my dad, mm-hmm. you know, because it was true, because he like, it never changed him either. Like, he didn't, he wasn't wealthy, but he made a good living at Brock, you know, but he'd still be the same guy, never, like, in you know, in the academic world, there can be a lot of, you know, pretentiousness, arrogance, and he could have easily fallen into that, and he just always stayed true to who he was, and I, that's really impacted me the most, mm-hmm. you know, as I've always wanted to be like that kind of. And so I like, I've always admired people that are humble and hard workers and don't necessarily have to beat their chest to kind of, to prove it, you know? Yeah. And that's not a shot at you, by the way. I just, <laughs> I just, no, no, I'm just joking. But you know, you no, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like honestly, the people though, I think that are, that are, have that confidence don't necessarily need to be like, going, their, their going actions crazy. speak for themselves. Yes, right? like, exactly. Exactly. So that's it, kind of what I've always admired. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a security. It shows a level of maturity. I think <clears> so. Yeah. And security in who you are when you don't have to voice 
your accomplishments and achievements because yeah. that's not like gonna be a thing that identifies you. Meanwhile, like, I'm posting constantly <laughs> on Instagram. Hey, did you see this metal? Here's look at. Did you see it from this angle? Look, look at the corners. It's crazy that we live in like times like that though. Now yeah. where we're always posting stuff. But you know what, people? But people follow you and like, and that's just your life. You're posting yeah. your life. You know, like it is what it is. Like you yeah. did something incredible. You deserve to post about it. It doesn't mean you're boasting. You're, no. you're proud of what I mean, you did, right? Yeah, it was. It's it's an unlike like it's a very unlikely. I'm in an, a very unlikely place. Right why, now. why do you, why do you say that? Well, because like if you knew me when I was young and into my twenties, I really struggled. Like I've had massive issues with depression, mm-hmm. anxiety. Like I was suicidal for many years when I was younger, and like so I was not athletic. I didn't. I was like an overweight kid that was super insecure, had massive anxiety. So I never played any organized sports as a kid. Um, I didn't even learn how to ice skate till I was like 25, 26. So, you know, it didn't look good for me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my, one of the reasons I'm so grateful for my dad is he's always been there for me. Like he's seen me struggle a lot. And so when, now that I've kind of had these moments of success, I like to, I took a picture with him with the belt on drinking wine with the... Cause like he, I want to share those moments with him because he's seen me kind of struggle a lot. So it's been, it's been kind of a very unlikely turn of events. I think, you know, um, I think I've always been a grinder and a hard worker, but the mental peace and, and surrounding myself with the right people was missing for a long time. So is that a big component of what changed? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I've always had great, great support. And I think as you get older, you you tend to kind of mellow out and figure yourself out a bit and i've always just been drawn to difficult things Mm -hmm. um even though i would struggle at them a lot there was always this kind of drive in me to keep going even if i was failing over and over and over and even in jujitsu i was terrible i mean some will argue that i'm still terrible um (laughs) but i was really bad when i started like i was not good at it but there's this part of me that like it annoys me that i'm bad at something yeah. It irritates me and I don't like it. So I'll just keep, I understand that like I'll, t- I'll have to take the long road to get to where I want to be. You know, I've seen people that have soared past me in four years, five years, but I just keep going. So I think it was that plus finding gyms where like I, I've said this before to other people, but like, I think I learned later in life that if I wanted to be more resilient and stronger, I needed to surround myself with people that were like that. And I've really found that with like the Atos people and PJ, who's the coach, the head coach there. And especially with Rory and the people at Parabellum MMA, like I, I kind of made a post about Rory saying that like, I felt like he's kind of like the, the mentor and the sort of big brother I always needed because my dad, I love my dad, but he was more, he was always trying to help me. It was never about holding me accountable as much, Mm -hmm. which is good, but can also be bad. And with Rory, he's more of this gritty, I don't give a fuck, like, do the fucking work, shut up about it, you know what I mean? And not that he says that to me, but, like, (laughs) that's kind of, like, his mentality. Sometimes you probably need to hear that, right? He's got that, like, wrestling mentality (laughs) where it's, like, you grind, I don't care, like, be aggressive, get in that guy's face. And so I think he really, a little bit of that has rubbed off on me from being around, like, the pro fighters and people like Lyndon Whitlock and Rory McDonald and, like... That was a that was kind of a massive thing that I think was like the catalyst behind me really starting to put it all together, in a lot of ways. So that's a it's a huge thing environment. I think people really oh my under, God, they, yeah. they, they underestimate the power of just your surroundings. 
Oh, absolutely. Right? Like, people are like, oh, I'm just an un- un- unmotivated, yep. unambitious. I got no goals. Like, I'm, I'm clearly, like, I'm, I'm okay with this life. But again, like, they're all lies, right? It's like, yeah. why not just, like, you know, search for... 100%. An avenue that, yeah, is going to be a little bit more difficult, but that can inspire you. Well, I think, too, when I was young, I was always, like, <clears throat> I would try something to be like, whoa, this is really hard. I guess it's, I'm not meant to do this. Sure. Like, I felt like I almost was, like, taught, like, it shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be difficult. When in reality, it's like seeking the difficult thing and pushing through it is the answer as opposed to trying to find a way around it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I have to give you credit, too. I mean, I've said this to you many times and I've posted about it, but like I've listened to your podcast a lot and watching you do stuff and just this kind of like there's a clip that I have on my Instagram where you're sort of like, you know, I signed up for challenges 12 months in advance. And he's like and you were like that squashes the deadline and it makes mm-hmm. us have a sense of urgency and just this idea of like getting out there and going after it really started to make me think about what I wanted to do versus what I was too afraid to try to do. And so I actively started to pursue things that were making me uncomfortable more. And so listening to you and talking about like the mental side and programming and all that kind of stuff was, was massive, massive, massive. Cause I think the work ethic for me was always there but it was kind of like the combination of the right environments, the right work ethic, and then the mental piece, yeah. which was always kind of a little dicey for me, you know? So I think all those things have really, really contributed to, to sort of me having more success recently. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of characteristics that go into success and achievement. Oh, right? for like, sure. Like you just yeah. said, like those three things that like you had two fairly nailed all right like i'm willing to work and, I'm, yep. and i've created more of a positive environment around me but that, then you had that mental game which is a huge maybe like a third of the of the game if not more mm-hmm. and regardless of the environment and the work that you have if you don't have the mindset yep. that okay i need to take these challenges on or i can do it right like that's one of the biggest things that i tried you know advocating over my last few challenges was like the why not me initiative right to, yep. to, to think in a positive light of like, why can't I be that person? Because oh, we see these different things. We see the guy who wins the world, no keys. And we're like, well, why what do you, can't... what are you trying to say? He's trying to, are you <laughs> the guy who actually, did you try to get the, the guy that won my division on here? And he said, <laughs> he said, look, man, get that silver medalist. Fuck that guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you see my emails or? <laughs> yeah. Did you see? Yeah. You for, you accidentally like <laughs> carbon copied me by accident. I was like this. this God damn God. No, no. I uh, I but you know what I mean? It's, or even the guy that silver medaled, right? Yes. That, now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. We're that's talking. what I like. But you know what? <laughs> no, it's like kidding. we put these people on pedestals as, yep. as if they were just built for that stage. A hundred percent. And that's not the case. Like the yep. case is they worked really hard. They chose to pursue something. They took action. They showed up. And they had a strong mental game to say, hey, man, like this can be me. I put the work in. I have the confidence. Like, And that that's the key. If you put the work in, the confidence should follow. Right, I think it's the people that you know get scared of the the long term, but they don't put the work in. So like naturally, yeah, you don't yep. believe you belong. But like anybody, it's all about what what do you do day in day out, and that's going to shape your future. Oh, like for you sure. Sh- you shouldn't worry about what's going to become because you've done everything you yep. could in the present. Well, I think for somebody like me too, like I there's always there's always a uh, like I don't know probably for a lot of people with like depression, anxiety, all because there's a lot of negative self talk always in my head, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, you know, it's always, you're not, you're not smart enough, strong enough, fast enough. You can't do it. You're not athletic enough, blah, 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 blah. But it was like, I got to a point where I was like, okay, well let's like a lot of times it's, it's emotion versus reality. And I was kind of like, 
Well, I, I train my ass off. I train at two very good gyms. Mm -hmm. I do pretty well. And I was like, let's test it out. Like, you know, like let's, let's test these negative thoughts and say like, are, am I really that, you know what I mean? Cause a lot of times you believe something about yourself that isn't necessarily true, you know? And so I started to dive into competition, you know, just kind of just cannonball in. Cause I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, cool. If, if I suck, then so be it. If, what if I have success, you know? And and so that's where it kind of all started for me as I was like, I'm tired of listening to this all the time and just believing it. And I was kind of like, I want to go out there and like, like, is this accurate? And mm -hmm. right away, I mean, just jumping in with Rory in my corner and stuff like that, like things started to change. Like I remember I had the first tournament I did was in Buffalo at Grappling Industries and and I mean, you got to understand these, these, these tournaments provoke a lot of anxiety in me, right? As somebody with it, like, but that's why I want to do them. It's almost like a, uh, a voluntary sort of like, um, practice, a voluntary practice, but it's like, uh, it's like in therapy, it's sort of exposure therapy, mm -hmm. right? Like, and Jordan Peterson's a guy that I listen to where he talks about on that, right? There's a quote where I posted it after I did well at the worlds where it's like, kind of the idea if you know if you take people and you voluntarily expose them to things that they're avoiding and are afraid of you know if they can if you can teach them to do that they get stronger and so this was just me sort of jumping in and, and trying to start that process blindly like I don't know I was just like I'm just going to jump in and I remember I lost my f I, I was there in the morning and I lost in the absolute to the guy that I was going to face later in the day in my division mm -hmm. and already I was kind of like the mental battle started because I lost him on points. He was super passive. He didn't want to engage. He was pulling me out of bounds when I had a good position and it was kind of bullshit. But I remember Rory got there in the afternoon and I faced him again and I put him to sleep with a choke. Like he was forced to engage with me. And I have this like teepee choke that I do. It's kind of like a modified triangle. Mm -hmm. And I remember choking him out in front of Rory and suddenly just something in my mind was like, and he was a MMA fighter, a brown belt, and for me, I'd always been like, oh man, these brown belts are probably way too tough. And it's like, in that moment with Rory watching, I was kind of like, oh shit, like this guy looked intimidating. He had like, you know what I mean? He just had all that. And it was like, I was like, holy shit, that actually just happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's just those little moments, right? It doesn't have to be like you go out there and run the table and you win the whole tournament. It's like, sometimes you just need that little seed of like, oh, fuck, like, I can actually beat this guy. He's intimidating looking. He's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. You know, he beat me earlier in the yeah. day. And uh, and I remember going back to the gym on Monday and Rory kind of saying, you know, like, that. he kind of congratulated me in, the, in front of the class just saying, like, that's a tough spot to be in, to, like, lose to somebody, then not only come back and win, but actually to put them out. And it just, it's those little steps that get you kind of believing that you can actually do stuff. You know, and then I started to dive into like the programming where I was like, I just realized like what I was listening to leading up to tournaments. So what did you eliminate and what did you add? Um, eliminating. I just, I, I think I just tried to sort of eliminate a lot of the negative self-talk by like yeah. w being careful what I was watching. Like if you're watching maybe like depressing shows or bleak sort of like things, it can, it can have an effect on how you view the world all the For time. Sure. And so, so that's why I don't listen to the news. Right? So like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm fairly disconnected from what's going on, but 100%. I'm okay with it because 80% of what you hear is just some negative it's, bullshit. And you're like, this and it shapes your me, perception of like how safe you are in your own neighborhood <laughs> and like all this kind of stuff. No, it's true. Yeah, though. No, for sure. 
And so I started to try to, I was just, I was grasping at straws. I'd watch TED Talks. I was listening to your podcast. I started to get a little bit into Jordan Peterson stuff. I started to pay attention to the type of music I was listening to. Like if I had a lot of anxiety, like I wasn't, I was trying to like bring it down a little bit with more calming stuff. And I found that I, I started to do better when I had more perspective based sort of, uh, positive, inspiring kind of talks. Like there's a cool talk by a former UFC fighter, Rich Franklin. And I would start to listen to these things and I would listen to them over and over. I'd listen to them before practice, after practice. And so I started to build this. And I noticed that as I was listening to these things more and more, my own thoughts about my myself and my place in the world and in grappling was just kind of becoming more positive. You know what I mean? It, and it's just, it's just sort of hearing those things in your head and suddenly all that negative self-talk started to just get quieter and quieter. It's always going to be there for me to some degree, but it's, it's just like turning the volume down a little bit. It's almost like having an intervention with like some more positive stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And so I just started to trust in my training more and I started to look around and see how many amazing people that I have as training partners. Um, I've always been good with what I put in my body, like eating wise. I'm always eating clean and I never really go off. Do you follow a specific diet? I've played around a lot with stuff because I was heavy as a kid and Uh I I tend to get fat easily or put on fat. My sister's an eating disorder specialist, so she doesn't like, so I have to be careful with (laughs) the terms I use, you know, um, which is great because there's a lot of that in our Uh culture right now. But so I've played around with, you know, low calorie, high calorie, low carb, high carb, keto, I seem to do well on a on a lower carb diet. I went keto and it was a disaster. It wasn't good. Um, I actually found it made my anxiety really really bad, which was interesting. Um, but I seem to do better on uh, a higher or lower carb, a little higher fat, higher protein, but not no carb. Like yeah. I'm always every meal I'm getting some sort of you know uh, relatively clean carb source. And it just seems to do, I seem to do well with that. And that's kind of a good view of it, right? Just like you play around different things because yeah. one diet's not going to be the same for you or for me, obviously. Right. <clears throat> Depending on our goals, what we're doing, how our exactly. body reacts to it. So I think it's a good approach to like, hey, I'm going to like just test the waters here and there yeah. and like give it enough time and then kind of see what reacts well with you. And yep. you know, it's a good, good, good uh, exercise at least. And I throw, I mean, I don't, I try to like, I can kind of tell now, like when I'm feeling a bit too depleted and I'll throw in a maybe a higher carb meal a couple times a week. And it, as long as I keep the balance pretty well, I don't dip, go too high or dip too low. I mm-hmm. feel like my performance is good. My mood is good. My recovery is good. Um, but yeah, diet's a big, big component. You know, food can affect you in so many ways that you're not. But even the mental, right? Oh, like, 100%. Like how food, yeah, yeah. Food, yeah. That's why I kind of get irritated when someone's like, you know, I have all these issues, but my diet's shit. It's like, well, like, <laughs> exactly. man, like that's, like, yeah. that's a foundational mm-hmm. principle of good health like like what's your sleep what are you eating are you moving are you connecting do you have purpose do you have passions like do those things do you have structure in your life do you have excitement in your life or you do you have stimuli that's yep. like positive stimuli like are, are those things checked off first before we say like well give me a drug for this oh, or that okay. and again and there's a place the, for that that's the knee-jerk reaction it's right? like it's every doctor is ready there to give you a, yeah which has their place don't be wrong that's what i mean like, i'm i'm not anti uh pharmaceuticals it's just but let's try to figure out the basics first before we yeah. just rely on something well, you're right, else because, because like, there's a lot of 
negative effects of those things oh too, like God, long yeah. term. It's not just okay, you get a hit of dopamine and you feel great all yeah. of a sudden. Like there's obviously some give and take to that. Well, I always say like I think there's there are clinical levels of depression and anxiety. Yeah. But to some degree, depression and anxiety are normal responses to, you know, a bad situation. Like if, like you said, if you haven't worked on your sleeping, eating, who you're hanging out with, like you're not really giving yourself much of a chance, yeah. right? Then there are people where all those boxes are ticked and they're still, and then that becomes more of like the clinical issue. There's probably some other things going on, but it's like so many people, I think if they got, probably got off social media a little more stopped comparing themselves, ate a little better, you know, weren't as sedentary, they probably feel considerably better. You know what I mean? And it's For like, sure. and yet, you know, I know a lot of doctors want to just jump on the medication bandwagon, which can definitely help, but it also it can really have a lot of side effects, you know? So yeah, I'm definitely um, not a huge fan of that as like a first step. You know? No, you gotta you gotta take care of the fundamentals and then kind of see what what's not working and you play that game of like elimination or add or whatever, right? And then oh, if you have yeah. to go, you know, Absolutely. clinical, go Absolutely. clinical with it, right? Yeah, exactly. But back to the mental side of things sure. that we were talking about. Um, it's funny because me and Siri City were talking about yeah. it. Yeah, that, that's a, he's a great dude. I like that oh, guy. Man, he's yeah. super chill, yeah. man. He's and he's got a he's got a great head for yeah twenty three year old. Right? Yeah, like I know. He's, eh? he's, he's, so he's, on, he's on point, man, and he really takes his his spirituality seriously and his mental game. Yep. And one thing that we were talking about the other day, and I wrote a blog about it afterwards, was the idea of mental priming. Because that's something you were kind of talking yep. about. We do physical priming all the time, right? We, you know, we have a, a class, we have a workout, we warm up, right? We recover, we foam roll afterwards. Like we physically prime our body to compete at a high level. Right. But a lot of people kind of miss that opportunity for mental priming, right? Oh, Those yeah. things like, all right, I'm going to sit here and like, I be with my breath for a few minutes. Or I'm going to, like you say, before a workout, I'm actually going to watch something that's motivating rather than like watching Fox News for five minutes <laughs> yeah. and then running out the door and yeah. like being like, ah, that workout was shit. And then you get pissed off in traffic. And we all do these things. Mm-hmm. But like, what are you doing to like mentally set yourself up for success as well as physically? Because yep. that's a huge, huge component that people just like rush past because they think the physical is like the be all end all, but you know, like even like this year, the, the, my new 365 day challenge is based around mental conditioning because I feel like that was an um, area that I fairly underperformed it. Not a mm-hmm. big thing, but it was enough for me to notice and be like, you know what, man, like this is something I can rectify with a better, healthier practice. And cause again, I'm all, yeah, over... you really, you really shit the bed in no. 2019. <laughs> That's what I, I didn't want to, I, I wasn't going to bring that up on podcast, but man, you only did like 75 amazing things in the year. So you really, your game is slipping, brother. <laughs> I'm a tough critic myself, yeah. right? But, but yeah, again, no, no. but that's funny. I was talking to Siri. I'm like, I'm like, man, I feel like I'm at like a seven and a half happy. Yeah. Uh, where I hit my tens and my nines. I don't get ever too low. Yeah. Uh, I do a good job of that. But I'm like, I'd want to be at like an eight and a half. Yeah. I'm like, why not strive for like, yeah. I get tens like insane. You're like, I'm going to be 10 I hear happy cocaine is really good for that. To get that extra, <laughs> that's, that that's, bump. That's my, yeah. that's But then one. you'll drop to like a negative eight after. But man, for that 20 hey, hey, minutes, you'll be right Month now. one cocaine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Month you'll two be like, meditation. Brandon's like 130 pounds. You're like, what the hell happened to this guy? And I think it was after the the, P, the PFED podcast. He started. <laughs> but you know, but seriously, I was like, how can I just like, Add a little bit of more, more, a little bit more value sure. into my daily structure. Yeah. Because I can't. I always try to outwork the problem. I'm like, yeah. all right, man. I'm, I'm feeling like a little bit anxious. I'm feeling a little bit tired, bored. Um, I'm underperforming. I'm gonna go work out some more. Yeah. And again, there's a p- time and place for that. But sure. again, just keep going to the physical. 
the body can't take that all the time. And yeah. it's not the best thing for you. Like, rest and recovery is oh, good. Oh, man, yeah. And, and then like doing two too, workouts yeah. doesn't make sense a day where I could do one workout efficiently, yeah. come home, and that other hour I need to get out, get out of my system. It's like, why don't you do some actual mental priming yep. and setting yourself up for a more successful day tomorrow in, in, in the long term? Right? Well, that's 100%. I feel, like, I feel like at heart I'm kind of a meathead. Like, to me, it's always been, like, more, more, like, mm-hmm. more, another round, one more, like those seven rounds weren't good enough. Let's do another seven. And it's like, there's definitely a tipping point there where like the recovery starts to suck. Like I would get like insomnia. I would be irritable. I was, I was, I, you know, I, I, I felt sick. My appetite was, and I was like, clearly I'm overdoing it, you know? And it's like, it's, and it's hard because you're a high achieving guy, right? So part of a big part of your success is because you're driven but you got to find a way to sort of like rein it in just enough before it can be sort of detrimental in a way. I think that's you know? where self-awareness comes in. Yeah. Like there can be only so much I can do physically mm-hmm. before I just level out and me yeah. doing more hurts my performance, right? Like even this year, I'm taking on a, a big, hopefully across Canada project. Nice. And it's going to involve like eight different sports or disciplines. Wow. When you do that, I can't just go swim that day, work out, paddle row run all in one day like my body's not gonna be it's just not gonna happen my body's gonna break down way before the challenge even sets yeah sets up so how can i be more efficient in my training that's what we should be looking at it's not about how can i do more but how can i make those sessions way more efficient Mm -hmm. towards my performance and i think that's a big ass aspect of like all right i'm gonna go in on rounds today but they're gonna be efficient um intentional rounds yeah that i would say that's actually a good point to sort of bring back to sort of the jujitsu thing and what really helped for me is like the intention behind the training. Mm-hmm. Cause I always used to be a guy that like, I just want to go in and roll. I just want to go in and roll. You know what I mean? Which, which is good, but like really trying to be very aware of how many rounds I was doing. Um, why, what I was trying to accomplish in the rounds, who I was rolling with, uh, what I was working on and just making like bringing more like, awareness to each training session was massive right because sometimes you'll go in and you'll just be like well whatever happened I'll ro- whoever I can find I'll roll and whatever happens happens but like I was really starting to like I was I was like okay this session I'm I know I'm probably going to roll with these five people maybe six whatever and I wasn't as focused on just doing like marathon rounds because sometimes in jiu-jitsu you're like you'll roll for two hours or an hour and a half not only can you not roll at the sufficient intensity that you need for competition, right? Mm-hmm. But you're just going to burn yourself out, right? And you, you end up bringing the intensity down because you just can't sustain that. So I started to understand that, like, in competition, the rounds are going to be explosive. They're going to be hard. They're going to be more tactical, especially under the IBJJF rule set, mm-hmm. which is sort of the overseeing organization in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. The matches there are shorter and they tend to be more tactical as opposed to like submission oriented, right? You get your points on the takedown, you, you chill for a little bit, you get, you work the pass, you get your pass, you get your points, you hang on. So even though I'm not a massive fan of that per se, I knew what I was getting myself into, right? Like I prefer the sort of Rory's approach of sort of like you play chess to kill the king, like you go for submissions. Mm-hmm. I love that approach. But I also knew that that approach in that arena at the IBJJF Worlds would probably get me into more trouble than it would be helpful because these people are all excellently, like very well trained 
And at that level, it becomes harder and harder to just submit your opponent, mm-hmm. especially when they're not willing to engage. So I sort of made peace with the fact, like, look, if you want to enter this tournament and you want to be successful, then you got to play the style that's going to be successful. And so I gave up a lot of stuff that I wasn't do that I love to do. I love leg locks, right? I love heel hooks. I love that. Heel hooks are banned in the IBJJF. Can't do it. A lot of the leg lock positions I like to get into are banned in the IBJF. Can't do it. So in all my training sessions, even though my leg locks were like probably my best attribute as a, as a grappler at this point, pretty close, I'd say, I knew that I couldn't do them. So instead of like playing this kind of like ego game where it's like, well, this person's getting the better of me because I can't use them. I was like, look, this is what I have to deal with. Yeah. I'm going to work my wrestling. I'm going to work the same way I'm going to fight or grapple. Yeah. I, I, sometimes people get funny about fighting in jiu-jitsu because <laughs> I know it's not a fight. But I knew that like bringing that intention to every round and picking tough partners that I knew I wasn't going to just be able to murder. Mm-hmm. Like I knew they were going to push the hell out of me and playing that game, like seeing opportunities for leg locks that I knew I could have gotten and wanted to, but like, look, you cannot do that here. You have to play a more methodical game. And so that's what I really brought to those training sessions. And I didn't do 12 rounds. I might've done six or five, but really hard, like with really good intensity, right? Cause that's the way it's going to feel in a tournament. I'm not going to get loose and warm and have seven warm up rounds before a match. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have, I don't know, I'm going to be tight. I'm going to do a warm up, but I'm going to be more cold. I'm going to be tight. And it's going to be a sprint. You know what I mean? So, um, that was a massive part of it, right? Cause you can't just go into a training session with no goal. Like I think what I learned, especially in the last couple of years about competition is that it's, there's like three levels as far as I can see. You've got, you've got training. You just want to do a tournament. Yeah. I'm going to go and do a tournament. Cool. That's step number one. Then you train a different way. Okay. I want to be competitive in the tournament. I want to potentially do well in it. That's a whole other level. Then three, if you want to train to win the tournament, that's a whole other level. And the mentality and the intention behind the training and the intensity of the training, they all get ramped up to another level. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever recognized that as much before. Um, I think it increases your like just your IQ. 100%. Yeah. It makes you focus and alert on like what you're actually doing. Right. Rather than, I'm just going to like blindly react to everything. And I'm exactly. just going to go in there and do something today. Right. And so... I, I started to veer away from things that I liked to do mm-hmm. to the things that I had to do and knew would, would be the best bang for my buck. And luckily, it played out largely that way at the tournament. My wrestling was on point. I had a great... couple nice le- double legs. Like some nice wrestling takedowns. Uh, I was methodical. I was patient. I, I ended up getting some passes, but slowly I brought some submissions, you know, when the timing was right. And, and it just... it, it because of the way I trained, I had a lot of confidence too going into it. So like you said, I think bringing like a, a clear intention behind your training is a massive, massive part of it. Yeah, I think that's going to take people leaps and bounds from just like yeah. you know, showing up and, and there's a big... And there's just, nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to like shit on that. Like, no, but the Just showing time, up like, will get you better, but it's like... Well, why not, you, why not yeah, get better faster? 100%. Right? Like yep. it's, that's, that's probably one of the biggest reasons people stop doing stuff is that they don't see enough growth. Right, yeah. I've been doing this for like you know four months and I'm still shitty. It's like okay, like let, let's like <laughs> yeah. let's analyze why that is. First off, it could yep. just be the sport. It could just be like, hey, you're not meant to be good four months yeah. in. Like you're going against higher competition. So oh, yeah. relative, yeah, exactly. You know, speech, yeah, you're not as good as these individuals. 
Or there's a, you're going in blindly every day, and it's like after practice, you just run home and you turn the TV on, and you're not thinking about what you actually did. I know Rory talks a lot about that too, That's, right? It's like, yeah, think about, like, after you go home, if you got submitted on something, like, why did I get submitted on that? Yep. Or if I got a submission on something, like, how did I set that up properly? Like, what did I do to create success, and what did I do to create failure? Because those two things, like, you know, like it says, like, a smart man learns from his mistakes, a yep. wise man learns from the mistakes of others, right? So be both. Learn from your mistakes. But then, you know, watch other people, learn what they did right, what they did um, wrong. Absolutely. And take that information in. It's invaluable. It's right there for you. So the next day, you're better from not only having physical reps, but you have the actual mental reps of being like, all right, like this is how this situ- situation went. This is what I wasn't looking for. This is yep. what I should be looking for. It, it just plays a, a massive, massive game in, in a, a quicker success oh, for sure. and and progress. I, I used to, for a long time, I would just show up to training and that would be my training. Like I'd learn the techniques that yep. day and I'd go home and things really started to sort of change for me when I was like, I'd go home and I'd watch matches all the time. I'd watch, I mean, actually a lot of it started cause I had a really serious injury in early, early 2019 where I destroyed my ankle. Um, and I was kind of facing tap dancing, right? It was tap dancing. <laughs> And dude, I was fucking good. <laughs> if you think I'm the Michael Jordan of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, well, I was gonna have you on here for tap dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you saw the accident. Yeah, like, fuck that. Right. Castle dancing. Listen, I saw some. I, I there was some sarcasm in that. All right, dude. Listen. Um, no, it was weird. I just was training with a guy that was big, and he sat out the wrong way. I don't even know what happened, but I had uh, two complete tears, the high ankle sprain and the lateral sprain. So I had a complete high ankle tear. One of my, the major lateral ligaments was completely torn. I had a, th- a third ligament that was more than 50% torn. And then I had a, I have a lesion on the car on the hard surface of my talus bone, which takes all the impact on the ankle. So there's like a cavity in it now. So I was supposed to go in and have it drilled and have something called microfracture surgery, which is really risky, not risky, but like, it's a long healing process, like probably a year with no wow. jiu-jitsu. And, um, and so that, you know, that was really something that was kind of, that was scary kind of going back. So when I was injured, I had all this time off and I, I started to watch a lot of jiu-jitsu. Like, and then I had some friends, like a guy named Vinny. At, mm-hmm. Have you met Vinny? <laughs> that kid's a fucking stud. Oh, yeah. But I love that kid. And he, he came to me, he literally just said, like for no reason, just said, here, I want you to have these, John Danaher DVDs. He's like, I want you to, he's like, it'll help you recover and it'll help you with your mind and keeping. And I was just like, that kid's the best. Like I fucking love that kid. And he, he just did that for no reason. And I'm like, I'm super grateful for that because he helped me get better, like in a passive way. Right. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? These, these DVDs are very expensive, you know, the John Danaher stuff. And so, but the point is, is that like, just because you can't train or even when you are training and you, and you go home, you can still have another session of like mental training of like yeah. watching jujitsu and seeing what people are doing and analyzing stuff. And that really helped me tremendously with my leg locks, with all kinds of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you have time to reflect on what you're doing. And so that was a big element that I think I was missing for a long time is like, it's like going to school for a course, mm-hmm. right? You can go, but like, just because you've listened to the two or three hour lecture doesn't mean you shouldn't go home and read the supplemental books or whatever that are part of the course or do some research on your own. Or like learn it. how to think critically rather than just like take in information yeah. and throw it back. Like just Or it's like rephrase. it's like going to the gym and working out hard and then you go home and you eat like shit. Like it's, yeah. you can the recovery is just as important as the actual training, right? 
mm-hmm. or more so. So it's kind of like you could look at it that way. Like you go to the gym and you create a stimulus, but then you go home and fill your brain with more like, you know, garbage. information, nutrients okay, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Garbage too. Yeah, yeah for sure. No, you could do either one, right? That's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I thought just you were like, going with that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, honestly, it's, it's an opportunity for you just to speed up the, the process. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, but I think even like you're talking about the passive stuff, mm-hmm. I think when people, and that's the biggest thing, when people start something new, for example, and they're in the, they're going outside their comfort zone and maybe they're going in there and they feel pain, they feel tightnesses and they feel, they, yep. they just hurt, right? It's been maybe five sessions in a row. The thing is you don't want to give into these mental or physical pains as like, I'm going to stop for too long. Like I'm a yeah. big believer in momentum, whether it's, oh, yeah. whether it's positive momentum, negative momentum, right? If you stop something for too long, it's so much harder to go into that, to go through that oh, door man. the next Absolutely. day. Absolutely. So have those passive reps, right? Maybe to like, I'm a big believer, like hence the brand rank of three, six, fives, like mm-hmm. every day of the year is an opportunity for you to get better yep. and do something that's progressing you forward. So I'm, and I'm talking about physical. It doesn't mean every day I'm going out there and I'm trying to get the best workout of all time with the most, like the highest intensity. Some days that just means like it's going to be a hike or a little bit of a run or just a walk, right? There's always something you can do to speed up the process without you just completely dialing back and losing yeah. momentum completely. Cause again, that why, why put all that work in just to take oh, for four sure. steps back. And I always find I'm more sore after like long, like there's a bit of a, especially with jujitsu. I don't, I mean, probably with hitting the weights and stuff too. It's like when you first start, you're going to be more sore. Like your yeah. joints, like I find it's almost like if I take too long off, I get, you know, you get deconditioned, right? Mm-hmm. And so like you're more sore. So if you're only going sporadically and you're like, oh man, I'm always sore, try to try to work through it. Like obviously I'm not saying if you blow your knee out or something, go go no, crazy. But I mean like average sore. Yeah, extent. exactly. Like if I take time off, like the, the worst part is that initial maybe few days, week, two weeks to get my body kind of back into the So I hate taking a lot of time off because it's I know it makes that that comeback way, way harder. You know what yeah. I mean? So I mean obviously I lift weights too, as you can tell, but <laughs> It's just uh, sorry, that wasn't a sarcastic I, uh, laugh. It, you a... can't see it through those shirts; a little baggy, but there's there's a lot going on under here. It's let me filled, tell it's you, filling up the shoulders. <laughs> yeah, they're actually football pads. I don't know if you can tell. I was gonna say something looks yeah, different. Yeah, something there. looks different under there. It's it's synthol actually. Yeah, it's really... Synthol. That <laughs> yeah. shit's crazy. Yeah. Oh my god, man! I'm actually a big a big fan of like big the fan fitness of industry. I'm a big fan of synthol. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't get it because it looks like shit i think it's like one of those things that like it's it's idiots that use it like i but it I doesn't mean, look good well i think if you're like probably like an elite like mr olympia caliber guy and maybe you need like just a <laughs> I touch don't know. i don't know how it works all i see oh, is like the idiots come on i see i oh. see those biceps are fucking real what are you talking about <laughs> all i see is this camera hd Man, can my, you see this shit where's my synthol package <laughs> you, where's you? you just gotta just got a whole thing of it put it away yeah um <laughs> brandon rick at 365 synthol it's your biggest it's your biggest selling product it's going great this year <laughs> yeah <laughs> I naturally, I, I naturally had next to, te- to the <laughs> next to the Brandon Rinka three six size penis enlargement pills. That's the next biggest seller. Dude, when I get that going, man, there's, is there's, this a family there's, podcast? There's no, there's no stop. Okay, okay. yeah, point. yeah. Four inches here I come. Man, uh, people are nuts. I actually, people are fucking crazy. I, I'm actually a fan of the fitness industry from a distance, like yeah. you know, physically. <laughs> well, I mean, like. When you get into the deep, into the deep, no, yeah, like I'm, I'm usually at good life at two in the morning, just staring through the window. No, but I follow a lot of people on YouTube channels and stuff and like, man, some of these people, it's just like a death cult though, right? Like they look great, but their bodies are just, 
well, literally dying on the inside, you know? Yeah, it's it's insane, right? At the end of the day, like, everybody has different ambitions and goals. Sure. Some people want to, some people yeah. to look like they're the Hulk. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's your prerogative. Yeah. At the same time, have some forethought behind, like, okay, is this making Yeah, long-term, me, right? Like, again, I'm all about the compound effect of everything I do, right? Sure. There comes a point where I completely change my training. I, I tra- you know, changed my approach to life. I was very, like, money-hungry, and I still am. Yeah but not at the expense of my health and my well-being and my personal life. Because, again, you start looking at it, you're like, you know, success and happiness is yeah. a, a six-pillar game, right? It's, it's emotional, it's mental, yep. it's physical, it's personal, it's financial, professional. If any one of those areas are off, it's very difficult for you to be fulfilled, right? Because Absolutely, yeah. we naturally gravitate to the thing that's not working in our lives. So having all the money and being the highest you know, status sales rep is good and all, but again, if you're not taking care of yourself emotionally or For your sure. personal life is shit and you don't have close friends or family or loved ones in your life, it's a matter of time before you feel empty and lost and, oh, yeah. and alone. So for me, it's all about let's try to find balance. But again, it's I think it might just be lazy thinking. You know, you're yeah. very, it's very immediate thinking to say, hey, like today I'm going to just I'm going to be coming to crush in the gym, but I'm going to be like, just, I'm going to wreck my insides. I feel like it's lazy thinking that doesn't. It's to... funny because I think there's a, it's a real slippery slope because I think that it's almost like balance and achievement sometimes are not best friends, right? right. Like, because how right. many, how many people that let's say a bodybuilder, for example, or a, you know, professional athlete, it's mm-hmm. like, they're clearly going overboard, right? Sure. Like, you know, what does Joe Rogan say? Like greatness and insanity or next door neighbors and they share each other's sugar or yeah, something yeah. like that. But it's, it's true. I think, so it's hard because as a, as somebody that's driven, it's like, you do have to kind of, hit the gas pedal on for sure becoming more tunnel vision oriented but but i like what you're thinking i think if you if you can look at that in the long term and it's almost like go in and out of that a little bit yeah like there's like, there's hierarchies right yeah that, that's where yeah, i'm yeah. at like it doesn't mean that just because like i want to be a leading adventure athlete in yeah. canada doesn't mean the other things don't need to be nurtured yeah. it just means yeah. that a lot of my time is going to go into my training and my diet. Yeah. You don't um, want the other things to die off. You no. Just, you want to kind no, of keep them. And again, yeah. that just goes back to like, okay, my structure has to be more on point. My yeah. schedule has to be on point. I need to be willing to get up early and stay up late. Whatever these things are, I just need to make my schedule that much more concise and effective so I can do all those things. I need to be aware that, hey, when I do have time uh, with the girl or the family or myself, that it's, it's that time. It's not Brandon yeah. thinking about the adventure stuff, you know? So there's... Yep. There's just different elements, but I feel like people will use that as an excuse. They're like, well, I can't, you know, go do to do a workout today. I got a family to take care of, and I gotta go home and cook dinner. Okay, I get that. Yeah. But why don't you look at your 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 structure of your day first and foremost before you say I can't do that, right? Maybe it's a 15 minute workout today. Maybe it's you know 15 minutes. Yeah. Of instead of this today. black and white, I can't. It's like yeah, you no. can just maybe you modify it. For and what that's your the thing, yeah. right? Is it's we can all find excuses to not. Oh, 100 like, percent. Just it's just human. And nature. I think a lot of it is is kind of procrastination in nature and fear in nature right because it's easy to make i've made plenty of excuses that Mm -hmm. you know i can't i can't do that for this but deep inside it was because i was like man that's going to be a lot of work or this is going to be difficult or so i think it's it's important to recognize that as well but the more you achieve the more you that bullshit isn't really effective yeah it it kind of goes away because you're like no i'm I'm preventing myself from a feeling amazing and doing something really cool or something that i know is going to make me super proud of myself and yeah. that's the thing it's not necessarily about you being able to promote yourself as like you know 
silver medals at the world i also promoted myself to black belt just so the listeners know <laughs> the day after <laughs> it was a self-promotion in my house <laughs> there's actually a guy for, people, a can that, for people that are paint? interested there is a great video that was his hilarious and blew up in the bjj community about a guy it's a brown belt who promoted or a purple belt that promotes himself to brown belt fantastic it's actually hysterical if people want to and look that up is he is he officially a brown belt now oh no what? he got fired from the gym and kicked Jeez. out so he was serious Oh, he was dead serious. It's like he does this kind of monologue. It's like a two-part video where he talks about how no man should have the authority over him to promote. Wow. And, uh, you know, and he's like, I'm going to promote myself. And he took the purple belt off and put the brown belt on. So, wow. So, yeah. So, so I followed in his footsteps for 2020. I thought so he's it was insane. Good... <laughs> yeah, he's completely insane. Yeah, yeah. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So let's go over quick. We got a few minutes left here. Sure. Um, we can go into your music too, but I do want to yep. hear quickly just about when at the tournament. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Just, how many uh, matches do you have? Ah, uh, f- three, four, three, three or four. Yep. Okay. Did your anxiety go down once you started winning the first couple? Like, did your co- like, oh god, yeah, grow? like was that a huge. Well, the other thing I was doing that helped is I was, I, like, I had my headphones on, so I kept listening to these kind of things that I had been listening, like, part of the programming, like, yep. leading up to the matches, I kept listening to the same thing that I had been what listening to. So, I, there's, I had three things. I had a speech from Jordan Peterson that I kind of clipped together on my own. Mm-hmm. So, it was kind of Jordan Peterson, and then there was this Matthew McConaughey speech that I... I think I've heard that one. Yeah, and it just kind of put, I found that it was putting me at ease. Like, it was a perspective thing. Cool. So I was warming up. I was listening to that. But yeah, the anxiety, the anxiety was, was bad early because we got there on a Wednesday and we didn't compete till Sunday. Mm. So you're watching it every day. But when I was actually kind of in the area, I actually felt pretty good. Like it was almost this like, okay, it's time. Like it's, I mean, it was ready to go. And after the first, ma- in the middle of the first match, there was a lot of anxiety. But after I won the first one, I the anxiety sort of progressively came down. Because I certainly didn't want to go there empty-handed. I wasn't just there to be like, let's see what happens. Like I was like, I at the very least want to be on the third place podium, you know? And and so after I won that, I felt like, okay, I felt more at ease, you know? Um, and... And so, yeah, things started to kind of go down from there a little bit in terms of the anxiety. But just keeping that routine the same was so important. Like, I just kept going back and doing the same thing over and over, trying to smile a lot. Yeah. I kind of do this, like, opposite to emotion thing where, like, if I'm super tense, I'll smile, you know? Because it's sort of like, there's something about about smiling that kind of can rewire the way you're feeling. And I just tried to be grateful for being healthy and being there. So. So yeah, it just it just kind of clicked and came together that way. So yeah, it's a lot of small practices though that really oh, yeah. seemed like it added up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I wanted to have this like routine where like my body felt ready because I was listening to these things going to practice mm-hmm. after practice. I'd go for walks. I kept my routine the same at, even nice. in California. So I walked my dog every night. I didn't have him there, but I would walk. I would take a walk every night around the same time. Mm-hmm and listen to it and I would visualize I would I would walk <laughs> I would walk to the arena I'd listening to these things and I would go I'd I'd go walk up to the door and I would see the podium and I would sort of visualize myself on the podium and I would kind of play the matches through in my head going cuz I'd walk around the arena we were right we were at the Hilton connected to the Anaheim Convention Center so I would do the walk that I was going to do the day of the of the tournament I'd listen to what I was going to listen to. I'd visualize my matches. And a lot of it played out very similar to how I kind of had imagined it. I even imagined losing in the final. So that actually <laughs> that actually came true too. So I'm really pleased with that. No. <laughs> but uh, just trying to really 
keep all of that dialed in and it re- it really made a massive difference so that's huge man yeah that's, that's cool to hear because again that, that just shows how powerful the mind is because again i think that's, a... it, it prevents people from doing things yeah because we just talk ourselves yeah. out of like man like we tell ourselves the worst case scenario um yeah so um it, I also thought it was it's a great way to manage that anxiety because if you're just sitting there doing nothing and you're ruminating or fixating on it, yeah, it's not good. So like to to move your body and do keep keep things as almost as similar as possible, even though you're in a different country in a different arena, whatever. Just trying to you know visualize it and uh, it just made a huge huge difference for everything. So yeah. worked for you, man. Yeah, took care of business. That's awesome to hear, buddy. Um, let's talk a little bit about your music. You know, yeah. We can't, we can't not yeah. talk about that. Paulie's a musicianist. Yeah, it's funny. Musicianist. Woof. A musicianist. Oh, yep. I'm not word. actually a musician. I'm a musicianist, which is slightly different. <laughs> sounds, sounds better. It's, it's a musicianist. It's like a pianist yeah. and a musician. Yeah. 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 yeah, that was a big thing for a long time. So it's funny because people always laugh because like I do you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I'm all into like it's more aggressive yep. and then all my stuff is kind of like introspective sad depressing um but i did that for a long time i i I tried i did it full time for about five years and i had some cool i had some you know not a lot of financial success it's such a difficult area to make money in but i toured canada i did my own tour across the country i put it all together organized it myself drove across the country myself uh i toured in the states with some friends um i won a couple of niagara music awards uh, the Hamilton community was great. I got featured in a lot of articles and magazines with them. Um, I was I nominated for Hamilton Music Award. And then I connected with a label in Hamilton with some friends that helped me record. And she was great at Spotify. Because Spotify wasn't big when I started in Canada. It didn't even, wasn't even here. Mm-hmm. And so we repitched all my old stuff to Spotify as new music. And they really liked it. So I made... I was able to get onto some big... Uh, Spotify curated playlists cool. that had like, you know, several hundred thousand followers and they actually made a, a Paul Federici music radio station. Damn, so there's you, a, <laughs> so it's kind of, but it's crazy because I wrote all this stuff in like 2011 That's and wild still in 2019, it's still, yeah, it's very bizarre. So I feel very fulfilled in that, even though I still get some money through SoCan and from Spotify, but it's not much, but Again, I wasn't really doing it for a ton of money. I was just trying to carve out a bit of a living. And so I'm just really proud of how it, it all turned out. I had the my first record, I have two two records. And the first one was number one on uh, a college station in St. Catharines. Cool. So it was cool because on the, on the list, you've got Paul Federici. The, re, the record was called Relative Importance, which is named after a poem my dad wrote. And then you'd have like all these other bands, like big name bands, like beneath me like that'd be unique it was just i mean you know what i mean like it's not it doesn't it doesn't mean that much but for somebody like me it's just crazy to think that something that you wrote in your dad's (laughs) basement you know when you were super depressed is like got some recognition and got played on cbc radio and featured and um yeah so i mean I, i i i'm not i'm not done with music but it's just certainly on the back burner and uh i'll probably try to release some new stuff hopefully this year Cool. And just like singles on Spotify and stuff. So if people want to find it, it's just, you can just type in Paul Federici. How do you spell your last name for people? Uh, F-E-D-E-R-I-C-I. It's that's me. That's a lot of vowels. That's a lot of vowels. There's a silent O and an X in there that cannot be pronounced. <laughs> um, 
And it's it, there's a you can see it's a picture of me sitting on a couch I think with like a green button up shirt. There's another Paul Federici in the UK that plays the piano, so don't uh. get confused with that. I'm trying to corner the market on Paul Federici, but uh, but yeah, so it's very folk acoustic. It's introspective, sad. And you guys try to partner up. Uh, I I I thought about it, but. <laughs> I'm a little competitive. I want to. I want to be the only Paul Federici. That, True. No, take him out. So yeah. So no. It's it's been cool and uh, yeah. So that was kind of a cool something I'm I'm proud of and tried to make it work as a career, but it's just it's so hard. And I'm 41. I just was it easy to let go and just turn it into like, hey man, this is just gonna be a passion project. This is just gonna be something that I I do because I like to do it. It was hard. I it wasn't as difficult as I thought because. I realized that, like, having traveled and toured with it, not, like, super crazy, yeah. but enough to travel the country, it's like, being on the road is kind of depressing, man. Like, I can see why people get into drugs and alcohol mm. and all that stuff, because it's like, you're just away from, it's not a natural way to live your life. You're in a car, you're not eating that well, you're tired, you're always driving, you're playing for these no-name crowds, you feel great, and then two hours later in a hotel room by yourself, or with, like, it's just... Well, I think that's where, like, true, like, introspection and self-awareness yeah, comes like in. Because just... you need to ask yourself, like, all right, like, the moment's great, but the yeah, life isn't. So, exactly, like, what's, what's exactly. the point, right? And I was saying to you kind of off-air before is that, like, I'm I'm kind of a homebody. Like, I like my routine. I love I love training. I love getting up. I could do the same thing every day for months on end. And it's, like, it's I like that. Man. And I'm healthier. And I think the mental health part of touring is not talked enough about in music. Like, I think it takes a real toll on everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a, a guy that I went to high school with that's very successful at Dallas Green from City and Color. Mm-hmm. We weren't super good friends or anything, but, like, I, I, like, I envy his success, but at the same time, like, things I've heard about, you know, his health and family life. It's like, that's why you can't again, like, I don't you know, I'm not, really, you can't I'm like not trying to... You can't envy anyone at the end of the day because yeah, you don't just, know their situation. Exactly. Like you, you see them in one yes. limelight. You don't know what's going on at home. You don't know what's going on emotionally. So like, But make no mistake, like, that guy has paid sure. a price for that success and yeah. continues to, to a degree. And, I, I mean, he's awesome. I love him and I wish him nothing but the best and I hope his health is good. It's just, I think it looks glamorous mm-hmm. and I'm sure it is for, on at moments, but there's a lot of, like, sickness and depression and fatigue and burnout and hell man like yeah just like i want to become a leading expert in this field but Mm -hmm. like i have no no interest at all to become like a celebrity at any point like again it's cool if i could just make a living on that's what i want to do okay how can i make money on this enough so like i could if my lifestyle can be working out and motivating people and writing stuff and absolutely talking that'd be great but like i have no ambition because again it's like that's not the life i want but that takes a lot of self-awareness to realize all right man like there's elements to yeah. my success that I want, but again, it, they're, they're a surprise to the, the greater good too, right? But so. that's the value of trying it, because you, yeah. you don't want to sit there and be like, oh, I should no. have done it, and then you try it, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I love this part of it, but mm-hmm. I don't like this, or I know I can't sustain this. It's not going to be good for me mentally. You know, you got to be, you gotta huge, be man. yeah, so I, I have zero regrets, and, and it, you know, it, it kind of sort of came to an end in a, in a way, but it's still there, and the music's still out there, and I still am free to record and release anything i i want so you're free to play at weddings too i'm free to play at weddings oh my god i've done so much of that yeah weddings funerals like them no um (laughs) i had a big funeral streak going there for a while no i like them i just find them very stressful because i'm kind of a perfectionist and it's like it's it's your wedding like i I don't want to fuck up i don't want to be bad or anything so i've played my friend's wedding was probably the last one i did uh, last year or the year before 
and that was really stressful. So I don't really miss it that much. I, I was always more into, I love writing and recording. Mm -hmm. So the performing live, I get a lot of anxiety and it's, you know. Yeah, pick your battles. Yeah, exactly. I love it, man. Where can people find you on Instagram? Where, are they, where can they see the beautiful silver medal of yours? The beautiful silver medal. I will be, there will be a parade uh, in downtown. <laughs> Grimsby? Uh, at Grimsby. Okay. So there will be three people there. What day, um, what day are you doing? What do you mean? That I'm wearing it right now. The, oh, my, can there, is that it? This? Are we is, recording this that, live? That I've, been wearing, I've been wearing it. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was oatmeal on your shirt. No, that's the medal. That's wow, the medal. Wow, it's beautiful. Um, People can find me at... Uh, on Instagram at at pfed music, pfed music, pfed music. Um, PaulFederici.com will take you right to my Spotify page. I don't okay. really have a, a website anymore, but you can find me on Spotify. I'm there. Um, if you're going through a breakup, it's great music. If you're super lost, it's great. Um, yeah, Facebook Paul Federici. I actually have a Facebook page, Paul Federici Music. So. There you go, man. That's it. I love it. This is good. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, Super man. cool. Def Bucket list checked. <laughs> and definitely not average, Paul. <laughs> definitely well, not average, man. Does some cool stuff this average year. Average height. Let's say average height. Sure, sure. Average we, height we, we, can, we can go with that. But no, honestly, <laughs> I'm man. I'm the it's... least jacked person you've ever had on this podcast. <sighs> let me think. Let me th <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> Men and women included. I did have a 12-year-old ballet. Yeah, though. that's. I would describe my physique very similar to a 12-year-old ballet. Dude. All right, we got five seconds. Any last words? Uh, no, thanks for all the support. Love you guys.